0: I'm John Waters, and yes, I made Crack Baby. Cry Baby the Song was really by the Bonnie Sisters, the first 45 that I had, and it was the first record I ever got in my whole life, and I still have it. Maybe that is one of the reasons why I wanted to make this movie, and it was so scratchy and it was so old that we they really had to talk me into doing a cover of it, but we redid the song, certainly, and changed a few of the lyrics to make it a little more uh, what the plot is about, but it literally was the very first rock and roll record I ever had had in my life, and I was probably like uh, 10 or 9 years old at the time. They inspired me for the rest of my life, and I bet they were great bets. The the oh, the polio, the first disease I ever had to worry about. And they used to tell us that you would get polio from drinking in water fountains and movie theaters and public places. I was terrified to drink in water fountains. Polio was the first thing, you know, and it never ended from that time on. Polio, then mononucleosis, then venereal disease, then AIDS, and now SARS. It has been a life of worrying about diseases that somehow I have avoided. God knows how. Little did anybody know in this shot, that is Tracy Lords and that is Greer Yeaton, who uh, is Brooke Yeaton's sister, who effectively grew up on my sets, and uh, Tracy married Brooke later. Tracy, at the time, had just recovered from the porno business. The big scandal had just happened about her being underage. And I got her in a a studio film, which I don't think anybody else could at the time. And Brian Grazier was great about it. He said, that's absolutely fine. She's good. And she came in and, I mean, Tracy looks amazing in this movie. Um, And if you want to, I said before, but if you want to... Change your image, make fun of what they use against you. So she played a bad girl in this. Johnny Depp played a teen idol, but he made fun of it, and then they can never use it against you again. When we were making this film, the feds were still trying to get Tracy, and we would be shooting scenes, and they would, in the middle of the woods in the country, serve her with papers, jump out behind trees, and stuff. I mean, it was really unbelievable. But we didn't care. We made her feel fine because we had all been arrested ourselves, so it wasn't that big a deal. I love the idea of having a vaccination, because we used to, everybody went in the gym and you got these shots, I remember, as it being kind of sexual, as it being a place where people cruised each other, and and each person could show their character in the credits what they were like by their defiance or their sexual direction to a needle. The girl that plays Lenora, who's the bad girl that has the hots for Johnny Depp, is named Kim Webb. Her mother was a great drape bat, I remember from when I went to school, and I used her picture to show people who were doing it, and she got the part, and I found out it was her mother. It was really weird. She had, there were twins, Bobby and Betty. One was a square, one was a drape her mother was the Drake Bat. And I, it was so amazing that I found out that that was her actual mother, a character that went a weird way, was uh, based on this. Johnny Depp at the time was a giant teen idol on uh, 21 Jump Street and hated being and, uh I wanted to put him in because I read all the teen magazines and thought he would be great. And uh, Imagine Films, who actually did Crybaby, very much wanted to develop a movie for Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp got a million dollars. I remember he kept saying to me, I got a million dollars because of you? Which was pretty funny. Here's the first come shot in the movie <laughs> to the tear. Where Hairspray was about race and outsiders, this movie is about class. It's a Romeo and Juliet from the gutter, basically the wrong side. I mean, a girl falls in love with a bad boy, which is a, certainly an old story. And Patricia Hurst, of course, uh, this was the first time that I had worked with her, and people were a little stupefied that she was in my film. But I met her in Cannes uh, when she was there promoting the Patty Hearst film, Paul Schrader, Patty Hearst, and I had been obsessed by her and everything. So, but she didn't know me, and she, you know, and she says, "People like you, I went to jail." This was my first experience to really pitch in Hollywood. I had never done it before. New Line had made all my movies. I had pitched New Line to make a Hairspray. But I also got agents for the first time. I got big Hollywood lawyers. And so I had the real force of Hollywood. They all wanted to do it. I never in my life had that happen before. Dawn Steele was, was sending me, like, leather jackets and stuff. People were sending me books about juvenile delinquency because I went in and, and pitched it. Really, it never happened again that every single studio was bidding to do it and everything. And it was quite exciting. And um, I got real Hollywood money for the first time ever in my life um, to make a movie that I um, put down a down payment to buy my house with. So um, that was the first time ever. And everybody thinks, you know, from all these other movies, I barely paid my rent from them. But with Crybaby, yes, it, it was the first time that real money came.
1: Oh, you're thinking about merit. I'm so tired of oh, being be good. Now. Do you look so pleasant Well, I think I'm ready. This is you Do you have plenty of money? Yes, I
0: do. And this is uh, Amy Locane, who was her first role. She was in high school at the time, and the first day of rehearsal, she had to make out with Johnny Depp and she fainted on the floor of my house.
1: Want to hang out with us drapes tonight? Ooh! Allison Vernon Williams, get in this
0: car. Also, Polly Bergen was in this. Honey. She she's was great to work with. You. She's made so many movies. She's no, been in show business for so long. She just played poker with ball the ball Teamsters ball. all the time. She can be a great lady or a tough broad, depending on who she's with.
1: Alison's my girl, so hands off.
0: I was looking backwards, certainly, trying to do another musical where hairspray was basically a dance movie, and this was a real musical to try to do a real musical for the first time, which really had not been done at all at that time. There were very few musicals being made. It was kind of radical to even attempt to do one. So when I pitched it, basically, I went to all the top studios and the main people that could greenlight a movie, and I had a kit with me. I showed them all these mimeographed articles about uh, drapes from the vintage Baltimore Sun from the early 50s, a drape glossary. And these were what juvenile delinquents were called, and what to do if you have a drape child. And there was also a book of very famous softcore gay photography that I used showing them, but without the nude pictures, just the ones with the leather jackets and them playing cards and everything. And I really believe that those pictures really certainly helped sell the film for visually how it was going to look. Little did they know where they were coming from. I had taken pictures, I didn't show them the cover of the book, which was Joe D'Alessandro, naked. That car, I said, was based on the juvenile delinquent that lived across the street from me when I was young. His car looked very much like that. Not with flames, I don't think he had that. I mean, he always with
1: drapes. We're squares, Allison. This scene was Squares gotta film. stick together.
0: Because yeah, of moving cars true. all the They're time and toes, and every time to do one shot, you have the toe, turn else. around, and go all the way back.
1: Something cool. Something hep.
0: And see, they talk about the word and hep hip. in here. You know, it's so what Drape's always Bone. said, not yeah, hip. Hap was so much that she said vulgar jazz words. You know, my aunt taught in um, dancing class where we had to go, so it was, oh, Mrs. Vernon Williams. I did have a teacher named not at Calvert School where I went, yes, but it was, she liked her. It wasn't like her.
1: It doesn't have the same
0: first name. I just liked that double last name out of a certain kind of old money aggression. And these all lip-sync, you know, this was hard because they, they had a little box in there playing the records that could lip-sync, too, and then we put it in. But um, it's hard to have music in a moving car on a toe and to get the lip-sync right. <laughs> no wonder people don't make musicals that much.
1: K-I-S-S-I-N-G Shut up, Bill. Hey, Hatchin' Face, you think Cry Baby's got blue balls for the chick?
0: Blue balls, you see, we got that past the PG-13. They probably didn't know what it meant. Do you? Well, Blue Balls is just when you can't, you don't come and you're horny for a long time. I think she's pretty. For your vocabulary lessons for the PG audience. People said that in the 50s a lot. Christ, I got Blue Balls, you know, because a girl wouldn't put out or something. I was supposed to pressure. It was date rape workup, basically.
1: You're too young to know the shameful truth about the Walker Boys family, but let me warn you, evil is in his blood.
0: See, Peyton Place was a big influence, and I always had this kind of thing, the shame of the Walker family and evil is in his blood. It's all that Grace Metallius influence, really. She still was a great influence on me. Alison, well, that's where the name comes from. Alison was certainly the girl in Peyton Place, so certainly that's where it comes from. up now.
1: It's not funny. Why I love
0: that girl. I fought hard for Amy in this because she hadn't really done that much. And she was 17. What could she have done? But uh, I like her and I think she was a real ingenue. I'm not she was the one that said to Patty you're the only normal one here. She didn't know.
1: Yes, I love her.
0: The problem with these cars is they break down every minute, Every and every owner of these cars are lunatics. They're like stage mothers, like with their child, they're even worse, people that own vintage cars. Because they always get the girl when they go out, but later the car breaks down, the girl left, and they're sitting there waiting for the tow truck. So they've had a bad life. Now, Mrs. Vernon Williams, I had to go to Cotillion, which was um, very much like the RSVP charm school. Now, charm schools, they would have never called it. That was, like, kind of trashy. But Cotillion, you had to go to these horrible dances, and it was exactly like this. It was the first time I felt great hatred to mankind and rebellion seething in my veins when I would have to go to these things. So... um, very much RSVP, it was very much like what I had to go to. Even right down to the silhouettes of the child. Uh, all parents had silhouettes of their kids However, in their living room. So I think Vince Brennia, who did the sets, really it was a very good way to uh, by show a gang this world. Of
1: juvenile delinquents. It's all right. No one was injured. Juvenile delinquents.
0: You know, juvenile delinquents—it was a big thing where they would give these lectures and everything about the worst possible thing you could be was a juvenile delinquent. It was, and people did steal cars just for fun. It was like going to a rave. Let's go steal some cars this weekend, or hubcaps, and drag race. It, I didn't, but I wanted to. I would, no one asked me, I would have. I could have never removed a hubcap. That would have been so beyond my technical abilities. I would have been, thank God, fads change. Ones I could do, like take an LSD. You
1: are to silently repeat to yourself the four B's you learned here at just
0: totally out of my grandmother's. Stella Whitaker always said, you need the four B's. Beauty, brains, breeding, and bounty, money.
1: Breeding, bounty. That's
0: right. Even my mother would laugh at it, my grandmother always said this, that she has the four B's. Now this is a swim thing. It was really based on a place I went to. It used to go up called Beaver Dam or Beaver Springs. Uh, Beaver Springs was shut down due to racial tension, and Beaver Dam was a drape hangout. We used to go there. This was filmed at Milford Mill. Barry Levinson also used this in uh, his movie um, uh, Liberty Heights, and so I love smoking. I used to do that. I smoked when I swam. And I love having Joe D'Alessandro. And Joey Heatherton was fresh from, you know, she'd been in some tabloid trouble, strangling supposedly a woman in the passport office. We understood it. And Polly would always say to me, that verges on exploitation, <laughs> John. Jackson's
1: art photography right here. Be a nudie cutie, make good money to booty. Hey, I'm paying three bucks a shot. What the hell? You got it? Why not show it, right?
0: Hey, you! Yeah, you, the looker with the Class A seal beam headlights. Here's where Tracy can really show her contemptuous venom towards the porno business. <laughs> Tracy had just sort of escaped from the world of porno, or recovered, that's how she puts it. I just read her new book, which is coming up this year. which is quite good, called Underneath It All. She tells everything. And wears clothes obviously designed by homosexuals. But he knows better. Jesus is still in his heart. he's Mom and Dad, go home. You're embarrassing me. I'm
1: a teenager. I want
0: to live. See, and all these kids that I pick were not real dancers, so the choreographer had to just, like, take people off the street and teach them how to dance. There was uh, that kid right there played IQ in uh, Hairspray. A lot of the Hairspray gang is in this. You'll see them all through it. You know, I wanted, like, juvenile delinquent dancers. And most... Juvenile delinquents are not. Boys are not real big dancers. I mean, hey. uh,
1: looks like somebody lost their laundry. Look, crybaby, you scorch me, man. This was a thing
0: pets always did, which I love. Like, and get sunburn of their boyfriend's initials. Well. You would put it on your leg and then get it all burned and then peel off the band-aids and it would have the initials of your boyfriend. That's an especially drapish girl thing to do.
1: Use your mentality and cool down. Yeah, Lenora, your bosoms ain't nothing. Kim Webb, she was in uh,
0: She was in a couple of my movies. She was in a couple of them. She had a good run with us. She was our B movie queen in a way. All this stuff is real in a way. All these things are based on real memories of, um, of Baltimore, being a location. This was like Cotillion, where I had to go, a uh, dancing class where I dreaded with great, great anger. you
1: would let me spend my life sweetheart.
0: Shaboom was first by a black group and then it was covered by a white group and became the number one. It was a very cool rhythm and blues song that was totally neutered and made into a number one white song. And see, the Wiffles, the boys that played this, they love Laurie Eastside, they love dancing and everything. And there was almost like a method hatred, like Johnny and them did not hang along, get along that well. They didn't hang out together and everything, and Laurie had to make sure that she gave the same amount of attention to each side. And I think uh, the Wiffles love dance rehearsals, they loved, them. And Johnny too, but they were more, I think Johnny was more worried about dancing than they were. I have music in all my movies. The new one I'm doing now has music in almost every scene. I write it all through it. Music is when I write it. Right when I'm writing the movie, I put the music in. Like this is playing. Or I describe what the uh, music is going to be, if it's, if it's new music, the kind of song, at least. Iggy Pop, that shot is exactly in that gay porn book of a guy sitting in a tub. It was, Iggy certainly was, you know, to me, was punk rock before they ever had it. Uh, one of the legends completely of rock and roll who will be forever and uh, still is. I mean, he still performs and looks amazing. I mean, have you seen these nude shots of him? I mean, he looks like Leather Man, but he looks like, he looks great. How much? And Dupree, you know, all the, all the black guys had hair like that, though. Conk. That was Van Smith's interpretation on, of uh, a black drape, which this. they did have. You guys want to do business? Susan Terrell, well, certainly, uh, she won the, uh, got an Oscar nomination for Fat City, and uh, that's all I need to say. Watch that movie and you will know Susu. I adored her. She's a really scary woman in the best sense of the word. Um, In real life, she is, um, I just never met anyone like her. You either love her or you run for your life, basically. And she uh, has played hags wonderfully in this movie, but uh, I-, I think in this movie, she, what better drape grandmother could you have than Susan Terrell? And I think she understood the part completely.
1: And, Ma, I swipe six-up
0: like a big girl. Way to go, Susie Q. Make Iggy, at the time... Um, I think he had just very recently gotten um, sober. He was such a gentleman. I mean, he was a really kind, loving man. I, I loved working with him. He had to work with Susan Terrell through the whole thing, who was a complete wild woman. You know, Susan Terrell, the first night she got to Baltimore, she would introduce people and say, Hello, I'm Susan, and I have a pussy of a 12-year-old. What do you say to that? And she would say that to everybody. you I mean, like, oh, Nice to meet you. And she would say it loudly in restaurants, too, when families would be eating right next to you. She was something. But Susu was most definitely not sober. So, I mean, on her time off. So uh, it was odd that they had to play all these scenes together. And uh, they got along. I didn't ever see them fight or anything. And they were quite a couple, I think. And Susu kept always saying, Here I am, playing a hag again. Another world, a lifetime of portrayals of hags on the screen. (laughs)
1: stupid, and
0: mean. We're going to play some cool music for you
1: tonight, Ramona. And hatchet face, oh honey. You're just like me. This was all
0: Vincent Perenio's sets. I mean, this is when we had really enough talk. money to actually build so, sets and do warehouses. I just saw this, you know, Vincent Perenio just had this kind of retrospective at this place in Baltimore, at this museum. Uh, the Patterson Theater, the old Patterson Theater where we shot. And um, they had Crybaby's Bar Bar, there. I was amazed someone had it which was really beautiful. And uh, this was, a, the f, you know, the first Hollywood real movie that was SAG. I joined the Directors Guild here. Um, it was, um, we had a huge crew. I mean, it was the first time that it was, it was a Hollywood movie. It was really the only time I ever really made a Hollywood movie. I have that cradle. It's in my guest room closet, but it all fell apart. All the bones are just lying there. At the time, certainly, they have the uh, Confederate flag everywhere for this movie, which people, even then, said, are you sure you want to do it? Well, it's completely realistic. I mean, in 1952 and 4, that was something that they definitely had. And people smoke cigarettes, and I'm not going to change history because of something. And certainly, they're friendly with black people in this movie. That's They're all through it. And there's even a line that I think we're putting back in where the judge says to Polly Brooklyn, do you realize there were Negroes there last night? And she says, well, my daughter is you know, can get along with all kinds of people, you know, tries to see that she wasn't a racist.
1: This took a lot of hubcaps, crybaby.
0: There was so many subplots in the first one that got cut out. Where Face's parents had sold her to a carnival, and her parents were in it, and everything—an <laughs> all-black carnival they had sold her to. She was the ugliest white girl in the world. <laughs> it somehow didn't make the final cut. We didn't shoot it even. I let it go. So Rachel Sweet did the voices of all the girls, the drape girls, the square girls, everything. she did so many voices in this movie. She really is a treasure chest of voices, amazing, and uh, that's her. But Gail Storm had this original hit. This is uh, Dave Insley who was the DP on this movie. I like how he does in these shots like the old Elvis trick where the whole stage moves. Dave Inslee started with me very, very early on female trouble and he was a student in college and we used the equipment and he kept going with us and uh, with this film, you know, he we did a lot of Elvis moves in it. We watched a lot of Elvis moves, which are a lot of the shots you'll see in Elvis movies, when the, when the whole stage uh, moves with the camera, and it's like this weird zoom in, but the whole stage is actually moving too. So he really did his homework. I always have these split screen things in all my movies, you know, where you imagine people, and then she's thinking every one of them's face turns into Johnny Depp's. I love a low rent optical. Now this is a reshoot right here. This is Johnny Depp in Griffith Park later, because we had another shot with this motorcycle cop chasing. It wasn't very good and it didn't work, so this this does look better. And this is, you know, I guess what I always wanted to happen was juvenile delinquents to raid the dance class that I had to go to. Basically, it would have liberated it. Whistle. Well, I love that, you know, Johnny plays pocket pool one thing that you definitely can't be doing in dancing class. Through this whole movie, you know, every time you had to cry, we always said succumb shock, and they had all different kinds of tears, the ones that would run quickly, run through it slowly. Now, I don't know, does commentary have to be PG-13? <laughs> <laughs> of course, I put the boot shot in for, you know, fetishes. I'm
1: sorry about this afternoon, Mrs. Vernon Williams.
0: We took some numbers out because... I guess we thought it was too long at the time to make it shorter and shorter and actually looking back on it, it hurt it in some ways. I think there were some things we cut out of Mrs. Vernon Williams, where she started to like Crybaby much earlier in the script. And uh, I think it makes much more sense at the end why she turns. Even in the trial, the judge, she sticks up for him because he says he's polite. And that's all that she really cares about is manners. That's all you have to be is polite in that world, you have to have manners. Bad English is pretty bad, but manners you can get over.
1: Allison, oh, get, get up! Allison, oh, oh, get up. Get up. Oh. stop on, honey. Just one minute, young lady. I'll take, really take good care of, care of her. Mrs. Vernon Williams.
0: See, he's so polite, though. He really so tries to be polite to her. It don't and he's much. of course the fascist. Please,
1: it's not a school night, and I've been a good girl.
0: She's been a good girl. It's <laughs> a good night of it's you think a right night. now she says like, I'm calling the police? But she would say, Well.
1: What if you get your dress dirty?
0: She's deep down, not a bad gonna... person. Certainly today, you know, um, the Confederate flag, especially recently, is incredibly politically incorrect. Uh, But this was about 1954 when the Confederate flag in Baltimore was flown everywhere. It was just completely realistic. Even when this movie came out, people talked about it and said, do you want that? I said, yeah, because it's real. Um, I don't think you change things. I don't think like when we have World War II movies where no one smokes, which is really wrong since it was the peak of cigarettes. And so um, it was real. Baltimore is the South. It still is, in a way. Um, Baltimore was incredibly um, racially divided. Governor Wallace ran for the presidency in the primary in Maryland. Um, it was a lot of racially tense... still is, in some ways. So it was completely realistic that people would do that. Uh, but I'm making it better. Certainly blacks would not have been at a swimming club then, especially drapes, who were generally blue-collar. And, I'm really generalizing, but I think drapes in real life, some were racist. So um, I'm making the John Waters spin on all this, which is about style, not politics. So basically, those kind of ugly little details are never in my movies, unless it's part of the plot. I'm making drapes probably much more of heroes than they were in real life. It's
1: where I live, beautiful, ain't it? It's really wild. But I'm, I'm afraid that I'm not gonna fit in here. You know, w- with your friends and stuff. You're cool, Allison. You just look square. Underneath it all, I think you're really hip.
0: Mm-hmm. Now see, these are the well, three girls well, where I think, you know, there's there's talk about this being a musical too now on Broadway. And I think that these three characters here would be great supporting characters in a musical. Hatchetface, a pregnant girl that's mean, and Tracy Lords. I mean, right there. Plus you've got the ingenue and the hottest boy who's ever right now, you know, that can sing and dance.
1: It's Face, she don't mean no harm. First thing a crybaby girl learns, our bazooms are our weapons. Now Pepper's pregnant, but she can fight like a man. I wouldn't be caught dead in a fool's skirt. Hey, girls, what do you think? Let's give Allison here a bad girl beauty makeover. Are you game? Sure.
0: I like this when he says, You got it raw, Whoa. Allison. <laughs> Such a compliment.
1: You got it, Allison. You got it raw.
0: C. Van's no, ugly expert have been there with Susan Terrell too. They all have bad teeth in this movie. Van always loves to give them bad teeth.
1: Now let me introduce to you the cry baby combo Milton Power Wanda,
0: <laughs> Becky Mancuso and and Tim Sexham with the uh, Music Supervisors, and they got Doc Thomas, and they got really great people that knew this kind of music and everything. And I, and I think they did a wonderful job. Um, all I did on this really was give some ideas and that kind of thing. They, need, they need to do. I actually had to—I think I had to sign sign over my songwriting royalties to uh, Universal for this. What was I thinking about? I just figured that out recently. Because I'm, I am a BMI member now, from other songs I've written in my other movies, I'm always shocked when I get a check for radio airplay in Czechoslovakia for 32.50 for a song called "Don't Pick Up the Soap for Anyone Else But Me." I'm amazed that it was ripping up the charts in Czechoslovakia without my knowledge. <laughs> that was in pecker <laughs> I have a lot of writing credits: "Gas Chamber" with L7. Uh, and Pecker, I have a lot of them. And uh, I have them in um, Cecil Be Demented, too. Bankable Bitch, I believe <laughs> It's a rap song. We had the originals, but a real musical I wanted to be. So it really had uh, original songs that were created just for this movie. And so we'd have a real soundtrack album, uh, not just a vintage song. So um, I think it's a good soundtrack album. It's still in print. If This was the first number in the movie where Johnny really had to dance, and um, I think in the Jailhouse number, he's really moving around and great. But uh, it's sort of believable because, it, because rockabilly stars and, um, and girls throwing their underpants on stage, that started with Little Richard, that was the first person they used to do it to. It's always an urge, I can't quite imagine one, just suddenly to rip off your underpants and throw it on stage. It still happens to Tom Jones a lot. Johnny actually did do you know, when we started doing mean, he can sing, he was in a band. But we just went with the other guy, James, because he was a rockabilly singer all the time and everything. But, but Johnny can sing. So we shot this over and over and so many times, so late at night, god. Night shoots. <laughs> Nobody sang in brain. So the, the dance numbers I had shot before, but the complication of lip syncing, because you can't cut around so much, I mean, you have, to, you have to shoot every person doing the song, basically, and the audience reaction. Well, the audience reaction, you just have to be careful that someone isn't mouthing the song so you can use it elsewhere. It needs one extra going, King Baby," but we're not saying that line when we're cutting to that. You have to really be careful to watch that. See, I wanted to be real square here, and then suddenly go into a drape voice. See, gale storm to Wanda Jackson, square to dream. You
1: no, know, she
0: looked. She was acting there. She was supposed to look like them. This is base, I mean there was Beaver Springs and Beaver Dam. This club there had Buddy Dean record hops all the time where hairspray was. Yeah. I mean I was really, in 1952, I wasn't at those places. Certainly rockabilly places in Baltimore, there certainly were. I didn't go to them. And this is my fantasy of what they were like, but there certainly were. They were probably seedier than this. I mean, they have stuff in Baltimore, you don't know. Someone told me recently about a thing called a blow roast, which I didn't know what they were, like in Baltimore. Well, you know what a bull roast is? That's where, like, all men get together and they have oysters and beer and you gamble and stuff. Well, a blow roast is the same only you have strippers and you win blowjobs. I said, what? And he said, you've never been to a blow roast? This guy said to me really seriously, but they have them all the time. I I said, well, how do you go to them? He said, you just pay, it costs 50 bucks. I said, the cops come. He said, they're there, usually. So I'm going to a blow roast this year. Open your
1: mouth.
0: I said, Well, can you just watch? No. He said, mouth. Yeah, and they go behind curtains. You win a blowjob. And he blow said that while you're conscience. eating and everything, some girls like perform stuff solo. But then they have wheels of chance and you wheels get a blowjob and behind a curtain I at the end of the blow analysis, roast. Will I? No so any these right. things happen Maybe in Baltimore. They just happen. It's an old tradition in Baltimore. I didn't know about it in certain neighborhoods. In the Essex area, I believe, is the blow Rose capital. I'll get you now, this, of course, is the French kiss thing, which I love this montage. I and mean, we somehow got a PG-13 for it, because it's really graphic. It's an aural adventure. It's funny, though, and we did a lot of takes and they were passing out breath mints to everybody because it was late at night, too, after a long day of shooting. (laughs) Even the kids, and they did it for real, you see, that's reality TV. (laughs)
1: But
0: That was the real parking lot of Turkey Point, which in real life is called... What is Turkey Point called? Uh, Milford Mill Swimming Club, that's the name of it. Turkey Point is somewhere else in Baltimore. Turkey Point is an actual beach, but it's not like a place where you go. Boys always said to girls, like, just let me do it once and I won't stop, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Bare second, there were all I'm kinds sorry, of things, which I'm amazed by. When I was young,
1: so whose second
0: base was feeling tipped. There was bare second or not, like over the bra or out. Same way with third and home run was intercourse. Well, now I read that in seventh grade, girls give blowjobs before they go to second. Well, that was fifth base when I was young. I- I'm amazed by that. Yes. They do? I read all these articles about that, that girls are like giving blowjobs in the bathroom in junior high. Well, what happened to fingering? I mean, it's just, it just seems so odd to me that, that they, the order is reversed.
1: Now.
0: So here, I guess times would be very different, you know, that she would say now, like, I won't French kiss you, but I'll blow you. I guess that's what they say now. And it's amazing to me. What's next in high school, rimming? I mean, you know, I, I don't get it, what, how kids think today sexually.
1: It's Clinton-esque, I guess. You know, in case one plane crashed, I'd still have a living parent. The crybaby, both planes crashed, and I never saw my parents alive again.
0: This was a real thing parents did a lot when, when air travel was newer, that they would go on separate planes. So if one crashed, both your mother and father wouldn't be killed. And of course, in this movie, they did that, and both planes crashed. But my parents, I think, did this.
1: Why crybaby, baby? Why? Here's why. Electricity killed my parents.
0: And he's afraid of 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 electricity. electricity. I am too. Because if I I can't even plug something in, I think I'm going to get a shock. I'm mechanically challenged. Like to change a light bulb for me is really an ordeal. I had to do it today. And when I was a child in um, grade school, I remember I couldn't go to sleep and I was crying and flipping out all night because I knew I had to hammer a nail the next day. (laughs) And it was so traumatic to me. That's why there's a hardware store in my neighborhood in Greenwich Village that understands mechanically challenged people and is nice to me. It's a, it's a hardware store for people that can't do things like that.
1: But your mom. My mother tried to stop him. She couldn't even spell, for Christ's sake, but they fried her, too.
0: Now this, of course, when he talks about the alphabet bomber and stuff, was something I remember as a child. I've exaggerated right some, but right he would bomb things in alphabetical order. It would be like airport, do. barbershop, oh car wash, well, drugstore. <laughs> I was a kid when I heard about him, and I always thought, oh, my God, suppose the alphabet bomber was your father. What's your father do? He rhymes. <laughs> he puts things in alphabetical order for a living. Files,
1: actually. <laughs> ah,
0: it would be Drake Square fights, certainly, but I've pushed it. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, you know, the Bloods and the Crips, it wasn't that bad. But, like, the Mods and the Rockers, that was the same thing. We had a dart gun and the kids got to kick him. Which they love to do. So late at night. I and mean, this is why I remember it rained so bad that they had to go out and find Brook Gayton had to go out and find a new lawn somewhere and pieces and bring it back and lay it down from a farm that night to shoot. Knocking on doors of farmhouses, you got any what do they call? It? Sod? <laughs> Bumming sod. We had a rain machine here, a light machine. That was really big time for us. And rain machines are such a pain in their ass. They're so loud that you have to reshoot every bit of dialogue got to dub. There's not one bit of... You can never have live sound. Rain machine sounds like a reaper from the farm. It's so noisy. They
1: beat me and kicked me. All because I love
0: you. It rained every day. That was the worst thing. Every single day, it would be so much mud and stuff. And then we'd get all lit and ready to shoot, and it would rain. See, here's our bazooms or our weapons right here because they had bullet bras that were so so phony and so strong that you could stab somebody with it fighting and fighting and um, putting on makeup i've seen that recently in baltimore fat girls and they fight and then they just smoke and bleed and put on makeup and bars feel at ease when i see that glad i'm home Well, Johnny liked motorcycles. I mean, I think he liked that particular. Maybe he bought that motorcycle then. He was trying to get the car. I don't remember what we get did. He might have. Well, that's a don't phony you one. Listen. You know, that's the burned up one. But um get in. You can say any single thing in any one of my movies, and I could be- probably tell you deeply what it was based on, where it came from somewhere, butt-pushed, and exaggerated, and completely, like yes, everybody was a draper or a square, but they didn't take them away on slave trucks to different prisons from a, from a race war, or, or a war, not even a race war, a war about fashion really, or haircuts. I, maybe it's a world that that I lived in and believed in my imagination and which is always exaggerated and always stylized to a certain Her name's point.
1: Allison, and she's a nice girl. Allison, I'm sorry to get you locked up. But tonight Well, you were the coolest
0: date I ever see, had. this is what always happened when I got arrested once with my friends from North Baltimore and black kids, we got let loose and they didn't. It's the same way that happens right here. He said, she's from a good family. Come on. And they let her go. Well, they don't. In jail they do. And this is the parents coming to get him, which is what. Hey, How do you feel?
1: like your granddaughter becoming a great Mr. Williams, picture, William! Please, no pictures.
0: That courtroom where the scene is filmed is where my trial was once. I was so happy to show Patty Hearst my courtroom. And it was actually where I had the trial for... The first hearing for conspiracy to commit a decent exposure. And then also for drinking at the drive-in movies when we were all arrested. So it was nostalgia to go back in there and film.
1: also known as Hatchetface. You are You're allowed
0: season. to say in a PG movie, fuck yes, twice in a non-sexual way, and never can so you say, I want to fuck, say, but this was an innocent jokes. joke, but you had to say it three times to work, and so they wouldn't let us, so then running. I had to put the beep in, which they had never had, they always said that great. you can't do that, and we won. Would you just
1: get me the f*** out of here? What's f- mean, Hector?
0: Oh, Meg, it's just a teen nonsense word Wanda uses to make herself feel all grown up.
1: Your Honor, could we take Wanda the fuck home?
0: Order! Order in this courtroom! You hear that, Your Honor? It's a sign. This is Joey Hedidon speaking in tongues. She was great, we just couldn't get her to stop. Something that I actually... Fear will happen to me every day. That, I would just start speaking in tongues. And I always taught Brooke and Greer how to um, remove play as a child. I would teach them to pray and then break into speaking in tongues. So now they say that every time they ever go to church and hear it, they're so uptight that they're going to be possessed and start like shouting out nonsense words. And I always fear that I could speak in tongues or have um, spontaneous combustion when you're just walking down the street and feel guilty, you burst into flames, and all that's left of your shoes. So I've always found speaking in tongues to be a really exciting religious concept. And if I had ever been raised in a church where you could do that, I might be religious.
1: you happy now, Mona? Huh? You finally did it. You put your own mother in an iron lung.
0: This is the this iron is lung, which they the always, sick jokes in the no 50s, always had iron in lungs courtroom. in And you always thought you were going to be in an iron I lung if you smoke cigarettes. And this was my anti-smoking. I quit smoking when I was um, editing this movie. That's Mink main and Troy Donahue. Getting a flat tire on an iron lung is really a bad day. But this is all based because I used to... My parents would have to come get me out of jail. So, not jail, I mean like this. Three or four times when I was young. And it was... They were always mortified. Ramona and Belvedere Ricketts, I find you guilty of disturbing the peace, and I find the both of you one thousand
1: dollars but that's all we have how are
0: we supposed to live damn you handcuff those brats
1: don't touch my children
0: and you pepper wolf i am going to have your two children put in the custody of the chatterbox orphanage chatterbox I oh, does it just i like the name the chatterbox orphanage it just has a ring to it <laughs> Because children that talk too much, they say, if he's going to be a chatterbox, you're going to. You know, it's always like kind of a negative thing to say. And Tadlock was just a great friend I had in San Francisco. I mean, I just like to give names to people that are so weirdly personal that no one would ever know
1: better known as Crybaby. What
0: a sad. I used to go to famous man. trials a lot. I mean, it started with female trouble I made a movie nice about. Man. it. It all comes from my worship of villains like Captain Hook and the Wicked Witch of the West and then Janae, certainly, and um, Crime is Beauty and that was Female Trouble and then that that lent certainly to Serial Mom was female trouble part two in a way. But I've had a trial always in my movies. Pink Flamingos has a trial when Connie Marvel's on trial for assholeism. Uh, trials are incredible theater. Because you are a fine and beautiful woman, Mrs. Vernon Williams. But not you, Cry Baby Walker. The only place you're going to sing is in jail. No! Reform school, yeah, they always had reform school. It was a big thing in Baltimore. They always threatened you with reform school. And I hereby sentence you to the Maryland Training School for boys until your 21st birthday. (laughs) Court dismissed. Lock him up. my Contract, it did say it had to be PG 13 because why make a movie starring the teen idol in the country if teenagers can't come see it? I understood that. But the difference between a PG 13 and an R is giant, much harder than the difference between an R and an NC 17. The hairspray was PG, it was even, and it was the only time I felt stifled by the restriction. How
1: does it feel to be a juvenile? Oh, yeah. It feels good. and I've never been so happy in my whole
0: life. As much as I actually really liked the poster, and I, I remember when it came out, in hindsight, it might have been wrong because it tried to trick people into believing it was just a real teen idol movie. But we were making fun of the genre. It was I liked the poster. I actually thought it was a good one. It just was a genre that maybe young people then didn't get the young girls that were Johnny Depp's fans from 21 Jump Street. This was a genre they did not understand because they had never seen an Elvis movie. The scene was shot completely in a real prison the whole time. I was amazed they let us come in here, but they probably still would. I think they're cracking down though. I think it's harder and harder to shoot in a prison these days to get the permission because of security. And this, I love to see Willem Dafoe spanking Johnny Depp, which was his idea. I can't even take that credit for that
1: now don't forget to say your prayers
0: I thought it would be a great cameo of Williams I it'd, be my I it'd be good I think he's great here and I knew him because Dennis was his nanny God bless Dennis the Dermody boy. was raised on William and kid, kitchen
1: God bless Jack. the juvenile authorities God bless the juvenile authorities
0: we're going to give you a haircut tomorrow, pretty much. Well. Getting a haircut, you know, it was Elvis, you, you know, it was the worst thing that could ever happen to you if you were a drape, no. to be forced to get a haircut. Well,
1: that's what you're going to get, you big old crybaby, you. <laughs>
0: well, when Elvis went into the army, of course, when he got his haircut, he didn't say he hated it, though. It was, a, you know, he was proving he was a good American. But the worst thing they threatened you with if you were a drape was getting a haircut in reform school or jail or everything. They will cut it all off. Hair wasn't glowing in the 60s, certainly. Up until now, it's not anymore. Boys. <laughs> Here's the scene where she drinks tears, which is kinky. I mean, that's a new kind of masochism to save your tears and drink them. Are no, I like this song. There's that shot with the whole bed moving, same thing, on the, with the camera on the dolly. Well, he's in jail now. He has to be harder, more blues. Kelly, as he says in the, one of the things we cut out. He says later, I want to sing something kind of Kelly which is what they used to say in Baltimore. It wasn't rude. And he means that as a real compliment. He meant as rhythm and blues in a great, early, as they said, race music, they used to call it in the 50s. A redneck way in, in the South, they used to say it a lot. It's it's not being rude. Now, today, if you said that, it would be. But then, colored was like saying the first times it was really hard for white people to say the word black. Because that used to be an insult to call somebody black before Negro was, you know, it was colored, then Negro, then black and African-American. But... Um, each generation has had a very, very hard time, if they were at all racist, and trying to to graduate to the next term. Chris Mason did the hair. This is her last movie she did the hair on. She did the hairspray, too. Unfortunately, she died a couple of years ago. Chris Mason was really the hair maven for all my movies. She, uh, hairspray she did, certainly amazing job I think it's still being felt her influence and she did this one too and then she stopped she didn't like the Hollywood thing it got too much political and pressure and uh unfortunately she died of cervical cancer like about three or four years ago very very sad she was in her early 50s terrible and Chris was in my movie so she was always the lesbian warden I mean in hairspray she's the warden in female trouble she's the one that puts Divine in the electric chair, she was in the movies a lot, too. Now this is self auto (laughs) With code names, he would say cry-rimmer, and I was John Walters, yeah, we always had code names, because we always played dirty words, obscenity, in between takes, the whole cast did, like just like vocabulary lessons like felching, you know, like every hideous term. And all the kids would play that. They would learn new dirty words. <laughs> That's how all the kids went to school on the set. Well, the bunny hop, no, there was a dance. We had to do that in Sunday school all the time, the bunny hop. Oh, I had to do that all the time. It was a huge popular dance, like the twist. Everybody did the bunny hop. Oh so here she has to go back to being a square basically it's an identity crisis through fashion
1: Crybaby is an orphan and he wants <laughs> his baby to have a real family the family
0: Never had. Wade Walker to finally entering the Maryland Training School for Boys had this to say. And I remember when we took over this little town, and some of the cast had, were shoplifting, and we got in trouble from an antique shop's in between takes, and it didn't go over so well. I was mad about it, actually. Who else would have done it but us? You know, that day when it, we were shooting the whole thing, and the whole town was closed down.
1: And hide the newspapers of is a completely out of proportion. He lied to me, grandmother. And the whole world knows that I'm just a draped fool. <sighs> heavy hangs the head that last night wore the crown.
0: Now, this is a line we put in at the very end because Pat Moran's mother always used to say this line to her: heavy hangs the head Allison. that last night wore the crown. That means that's a great mother line. It really means if you have a hangover.
1: The whiffles and we're proud to be square this
0: movie has gone on in france it was a hit uh, they loved it there it was certainly selected to be in can it's a movie that still plays on television all the time and and kids like this too children get this for birthday parties too which is kind of amazing when i'm trying to sitting around watching kids at a birthday party watch allison drink her jar of tears which. Uh, I fought for, that was the one shot the studio really hated, <laughs> but, but Brian was great, he said we understand, this is a John Waters touch, and I guess the rating boards didn't, hadn't dealt with that before, but drinking a jar of tears, is pretty kinky actually, it's a new kind of S&M. Allison,
1: would you sing with me today? Jailbird, jailbird, go around. a and,
0: and this was the jailbird. real jail in Jessup, Maryland, and they had a license plate country. I always thought that was like a cliché joke. This is the real... They still have it. This is where they make the license plates from Maryland, in the prison. In the real thing, they say the numbers and, you know... But, uh, it was a great filming in there. Mr. Chris Mason, who was, could sometimes be quite butch, said, Christ, they're so horny, they're cruising me, which made me laugh. Sort of wild,
1: <laughs> kinda cool. It's called a theme park, and it's the first one in the state of Maryland I'd be proud to, you, Baldwin. Crybaby Walker, I hope you're happy with Lenora. And I only have one thing to say to you I think you're a liar and a cad, and I spit on your tears. I can sing better than Crybaby Walker any day of the week.
0: Real prisoners were right near us. I mean, it wasn't. There were no real prisoners in it. The only thing drag with shooting in prisons is how long it takes for security to get through. They gotta look through every lighting bag.
1: Well,
0: He's yeah, a, a continuity nightmare that always makes me crazy where his shirt's one butt's unbuttoned and then it isn't. Yeah, it's made me crazy my whole life. I'll show you where. I love this scene. I mean, this is is one of my favorite musical moments. And it's a good song. Doing time for being young. That's a good (laughs) See when he rips open his shirt. Okay then, cut back. See it's open all the way. One button. See, makes me crazy. No, everybody said no one notices. I doubt it is. They're looking at this great, handsome, good actor movie star face, not a shirt button. I love Johnny in this scene. I think he's, you know, this is one of my, I think this is probably my favorite musical in the room. I have a friend in jail, I just threatened that I would sing that song outside to mortify <laughs> because <laughs> right in Maryland where the jail is outside there's like a lot of people yelling okay like, hey Bill you know like screaming up, some people yelling and then the cops make them go away and just, if I was out front singing please Mr. Jailer," it would be quite mortifying he would be beat up in jail for the rest of his life this was a drag because we had to do another take because the boxes didn't to, to drive that whole studio up for the second take was oh. that is the second take I think and we did another because the first one something went wrong it had to dry up all the water off the floor, all the costumes, all the new boxes. It was... So, this scene with Tracy Lords, when uh, this actually happened to me, my parents um, were big on exchange students, which used to infuriate me when I was like a angry 15-year-old, and I would come home and there would She's be people sitting and i say, who is this? They're going to be living with us for a while. And sometimes my mother would have on a native outfit, which would make me—my mother gets mad when I say this right now. She said, we were trying to broaden your—and she was. I'm not being, trying to make fun of her. Not this bad. This is exaggerated here. I mean, nobody swapped me. I didn't have to leave. But we had different people that would live with us sometimes from different nations. And it really got on my nerves, because you had to be nice to them. And I thought, I don't feel like that. You know, I was very, not very welcoming as a bratty teenager. They weren't Swedish milkmaids, but I felt like her. Crazy Tracy Lords, I did feel like this kind of. Well, they didn't say, you're going this tomorrow. You're going to a foreign land. I didn't have to. They didn't swap me. They probably wished they could have.
1: You mean you swap me? for milkmaid?
0: Oh honey, Inga's mother and potter will treat you just like one of the family. Ya, Inga?
1: Ya, ya, ya.
0: Now this is, of course, Tojo picks her up, Alan Wendell, who is Mr. Pinky in Hairspray. He's been in all my movies. And there's a whole long scene that really didn't work, that we tried to put it in, but it didn't work, where she's kidnapped, he takes her to this like, not porn factory, but cheesy like uh, beefcake kind of, factory where it's nude women and men and the big thing is that they'll pose for that but then he says you're gonna go all the way we're gonna do porno and they freak out and they fight him and goose pimples and Stinky are his two assistants and they beat him up and then make him dress like a woman and escape and then they run out and they jump in a car and people fall through the roofs of the car and then they all team up and then they go to the theme park. It didn't work.
1: I'm telling you, women, this ain't no jive. If you get too close, this man will drive his no in your business. No Hold on, homeboy. boy. Almost done.
0: So this is where he's getting the tattoo of no, the teardrop under his eye, which I had certainly oh. seen and um, and always been impressed because in some cultures it means each tear is each person you've killed. Ow. And I think I told you the very first line in this movie came from one of my students who committed a terrible crime when I taught in prison. And I said, well, why did you do this? And he said, oh, I was so tired of being good. And that's the first line that Amy Locane says when she looks at Johnny Depp's character in this, in a much lighter way, out of context.
1: Are you blind? It's a lonely teardrop.
0: I taught in prison for a lot in the 80s, and... Um, I, always, I got great dialogue out of it. I mean, I, I think I did a good job as a teacher, but I also got as much out of it as they did, certainly, for um, dialogue and how people seem to think in certainly adverse situations.
1: Cry, baby. Look, it's your only chance, man. Turn me square
0: to See, this is also like the oh, most girl. embarrassing thing if you do this long escape oh, and then end up the oh, exact place gang. you're trying to escape. <laughs> but the rats help him, but the rats are double crossing. This was a reshoot here because we, we had a whole helicopter scene where they steal and then giant bucket of puke is dumped on the judge as he leaves the orphanage when they're escaping. It was a lot of too many plot points coming together. We didn't put it back in the movie. It's in the bonus footage at the end of the disc. I love that though. When the cow rejects Hatcherface, and there was a mean guy there on the farm who kept shooting guns and stuff, and that would make the cow do it. That's how they got. It. it didn't hurt him, but it would scare the cow. That's how he jumped. It wasn't like I said, action. Okay, cow react. So they had this mean farmer that would shoot a gun that would make the cow jump and run away. This is gratuitous nudity here, but it's basically like a joke on a teen movie about how his pants are ripped off, you know, and Johnny knew it was a complete joke because it was the kind of thing they probably did try to make him do on 21 Jump Street that he wouldn't, or that they just didn't have the nerve to ask him to do it. That shot inside, that's in a studio. It's not that. but it's real. And they, this prison let us do this, which is amazing. They would let a helicopter land with gunshot in the yard, which really, if you didn't know we were making a movie, and a lot of them did really looks like a jailbreak. They would never allow that to happen. They weren't real prisoners. There were no real prisoners. 21 Jump Street was a very popular teen show on television where Johnny was a narc, I think. And it was one of the first ones that was kind of led to Dawson's Creek and that kind of thing, where it was like really cute guys and girls. And uh, I even did a, a, one time played a cult leader on the show, which was really mortifying. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I didn't think the show was bad. Johnny was always so critical of it. I think he was embarrassed by it, but it, it did make him. That was real prisoners. No, that wasn't... These aren't real prisoners either. This is great. You know, they don't have movie theaters in jail anymore. It used to be so great. You could get a blowjob. You could, like, swap drugs money, everything in the dark. It was the only time you could be together. Now they have little video monitors outside the cell like a hospital. And Creature of the Black Lagoon, of course, this movie which we had to pay to get the rights for. But I love 3D like somebody actually jumping through the screen. This this got the biggest laugh in the whole movie. That exact shot always got the biggest laugh in the whole movie. But that really was the movie theater in the in the jail. They had to. What you want
1: for nothing? A rubber biscuit? Go, go.
0: All these pipes were totally built Vince, but this whole thing was a set, which was, that's what I mean. We certainly did not have the budget ever before to do something like that. I think Vince did a great job. This was all a set, all of it. I have rats in all the movies. Even on the Broadway play of Hairspray, there's a rat right in the beginning, it's my signature. I have all over my apartment fake rats and ones caught in bloody traps and stuff hidden around the house. I hate rats, but I kind of feel that I'm their friend somehow. I liked Willard too. I even have a stuffed rat gave me for Christmas on my desk in New York that is really it's frightening. Oh.
1: thanks pal.
0: And these real extras did have to get their hair cut. I think they got a tip. And this is the rat laughing. The whole scene with that, we tried everything I could do it, and finally... The guy just held the rat and went like that up and down and shook it and it worked. It made a rat laugh. I was trying to direct him, telling the rats jokes, trying to do everything to get them to laugh. It's like I'm looking for a method rat.
1: of two children, actually.
0: Well, this is really what orphans are like. They don't say it, but look at each one has a little window. It's like how much is that doggy in the window? Only for orphans. Little Labradoodle playing the piano. Look, there's one that cleans all the time in the back. Daddy's little helper.
1: Here, these are the ones we want. A double-header! Oh, they're adorable Uh, uh, will-takes. Now, that's the thing with two heads. Absolutely not. Siamese twins are a financial burden. Sewing all those old school clothes together, you're not psychologically equipped. Mrs. Chadlock, these are my children, and I'm taking them with me. That's right, sister.
0: I love breakaway outfits. So great. Such a vaudeville tradition. Get me out of
1: here! Help!
0: This was really scary. That kid's driving the car and it's hooked up to a thing, but it. There really was a guy on the floor driving it. I forget it. it. scared the shit out of me. Now this is Enchanted Forest, which is a real place in Baltimore. It shut down when we filmed here. However, it was the first theme park in a way. It was, and but it was low rent always. I mean, I went there once, and um, I went there, and I when we weren't scouting it, and it was still open sometimes on like. Sundays or something and there was this woman with her daughter and they had like Snow White's house and little things and they had like windows with like a tableau of Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella but they were cheesy and old there would be like roaches in them and they were falling apart, they needed paint and I heard this one little child say to the mother, tell me the story and the mother was like bored she just said that Sleeping Beauty, she's sleeping I thought, ah, oh, another fable passed down to a new generation <laughs> it was that's the only thing I could ever get out of it And I knew people that had sex there, too, in like the crooked man's house, and little different houses you could go in, like fun houses. So perverts were lurking, I think, too. But it was closed when we shot there, so. That all was really there. We, I think Vince painted it and fixed it up some, but that castle was really there. It was a real place in Chanda Village. I even have a memorial plate in my kitchen for it. In South Baltimore, it was a famous place that people went to as kids and stuff. It's still there, but it's just the woods. It's overgrown and stuff, and they were trying to make... There was a shopping center next to it. They were going to have it free where you could go, but I think it's now like the ruins of it, of it. I don't know. I'm sure now like people like huff glue in it and stuff, but probably. <laughs> Anytime you see the judge from now on, those reshoot reaction shots, because we had to he wasn't at the end. He just got puked on. He was out of it. But then on the reshoot, we had to give more of a reason why Crybaby got out of jail when it says judge releases Crybaby. So we had all the shots that had to fit in. They're pretty seamless. Okay
1: we'll get married and live in suburbia. I love you, Allison. I don't want to hurt you, Baldwin.
0: See, she just has to make her choice. Draper Square, which is something, you know, you can ask anybody in Baltimore, you Were you over f- 55 now? years old, were you a draper square? And they say, without even, they, no one says, what do you mean?
1: But you're still a tramp. <gasps> oh. Allison, pick the man who loves you the most.
0: It's a great song by Winona Carr. The original song of this is great. We had to cover it. But Rachel did a good job. We had to change some of the dialogue to make it uh, what the movie's going on. I made her watch a lot of Ann-Margaret movies before she did those.
1: Please, Mr. Jailer, won't you and that
0: was really at the prison, I think. Yeah, it was another building in the prison. Or maybe it was in a mental institution, I forget. We always shot in mental institutions and in prisons a lot. But that was a pain because they didn't have those windows on there and they were turning. We had to spend all this money to put those grates on to go back and shoot something. That was a nightmare, I forget. But to match it for that judge, because since we had shot it, they had changed the front of the building. See, that, all that shot of the judge there, all those little shots of the judge were done five months later for the reshoot. So the building had been changed. And we had to put all the grates back on and pay all this money just to get the one shot. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: when the, he got more money because he got a real haircut. Just
1: look into his eyes, open up that
0: door, yes. Johnny's so Robert Mitchum in the scene. Now, that's how I always think that Johnny's going to age into a great Robert Mitchum type. You know, Robert Mitchum worked to the day he died. I mean, he had a great career without ever listening to anything anybody ever said. Johnny's gonna always look handsome, but Robert Mitchum always looked good. I think he aged well. See, this is all based because in Baltimore, they do stand outside the jail and yell things. Like, hey, Peanut! <laughs> and stuff like that. They don't do musical numbers, but... And a ball and chain, that's so great. I admit there was one part in the script that didn't, you couldn't really buy why he escaped out of jail. Didn't, really wasn't too convincing. Well, in hindsight, does my audience care about that? I'm I'm not so sure we spent $500,000 to do reshoots. And I I think it would have grossed exactly the same amount of money. I don't hate some of the shots. I kept most of the shots. That's a reshoot. That was filmed somewhere else totally in Baltimore. Jade Walker, we have a visitor. Let me out of this I like this scene. This to me was a good uh, I like visiting people in jail anyway, and so it's always I mean, usually you don't get the glass booze, so that's you can. This is great, yes. It's really based on the glory hole, a sex bar I used to go to that uh, in the West Village that had booze like this, but the they had holes for dicks. And basically, this was more like what it was like. PG version of the glory hole. But in LA, they had clear glass. It was called basic plumbing. It was the same concept, but in LA, of course, it was more Crashier and more theatrical, so they had booths that had clear glass in the canvas glory hole. And there was in the other ones, they had two little porch door handles over the hole so you could hold on. <laughs> so that's what this is basically. This was a lot of glass we had to break in one shot, a lot of that sugar glass reshoot. Even the kids acting dirty, right? That's a lot of sugar in one take to get the... <laughs> See, I always loved the spinning headline papers. That was such a good cliché. This is a complete reshoot. The other reshoot was outside the prison, and we're gonna put that at the end too, so you saw that one ending that wasn't as good, but you at least see the different plot points. This was all shot in California. Is!
1: baby walker. Society has given you a second chance. No,
0: this one didn't have a song. There's a whole musical number called Chicken that is gonna be on the bonus footage. That was, uh, there was a battle of the bands in the first version to decide. And with Johnny on the car at the end, that was the Drape song, but the Chickens, the Squares had a song called Chicken, and they put live Chickens on, and they taunt Johnny Depp's gang by saying, Chicken! And so, and then Johnny Depp said, well, okay, my thing, we're gonna be on top of the car. So there was a whole, it was real long. And it was a good one though, you'll see, it's okay by itself, but this worked My better.
1: The family gathers together and he retells the story of the day. He electrocuted your daddy and we just laughed.
0: And this is what we're all talking about, that his father electrocuted and we all just laughed. We say that all the time now. Just when something that gets on our nerves and something bad happens to we just laughed. <laughs>
1: But I'll take care of this maggot. Do you know how to play the automobile game called chicken? (laughs) Sure. My car and your jalopy. We head toward one another at full This was
0: the first movie I ever had to go through massive testing with. And it was kind of a nightmare. I mean, it didn't test well. But Hairspray tested terribly when it came out. It got all bad um, preview cards and everything. And uh, boys said that they would never see a movie about a fat girl. And uh, it, it was... My movie's testing, you know, what is the norm you test them against? That is what the guy, the main tester guy, even said to me. It well, depended the where they would take me, to some middle Chicken of some shopping center somewhere and where Rodney King's jurors say, lived. You know, it didn't memory, do so something. well. If you He'll showed me. it in Hollywood, it would. It was fine. And I went through the process. I mean, it was part of it. It was a big Hollywood movie. So we, had, we tested a lot of times. And then and Brian Grazer said, said that we were going to do reshoots. And that's great. But um, different of trying to rewrite things and change things is um, sometimes you can make it better and sometimes it doesn't make it worse. It makes it different, but it doesn't ever solve the problem. And the problem of this movie was if there was a commercial one, that it was a satire of a teen movie, not a real one, and the audience always knows you're making fun of
1: it.
0: I am changing it with the director's cut. I'm putting in some things that I shouldn't have taken out or something. things that, you know, I would like seeing it in hindsight and the ones that didn't work are put at the end just to get an idea of some of the scenes that you could see what the original concept was and how some things don't work. It's all about editing. Editing and writing are the most important things in movies, in a way. And this also had like a really surreal ending, which I loved, you know, when she flies through the air and everybody does double tears, you know, it's like a double orgasm at the end, everyone had. This scene took days and days to shoot up, all night, every day, was, oh, God, it was torture, it was hot and rainy and muggy, and you did have to, these cars were moving and it was a big production because with car, po- to, and you know, you can only have a, so long a thing when two cars are coming to each other in one place, so it, you, you could shoot a tiny portion of it and then have to go all the way back, restart, build up to speed, have the lights behind, have it match, you know, what's in the background. We-
1: in your schools, we were live by and
0: I love the idea of somebody giving birth in a chicken race at the same time. Of course, she holds up the baby. It's perfectly no blood on it or anything. You know, if it had been R-rated, she would have bit the umbilical cord. But I had already done that in female trouble. So I didn't feel I had to revisit the biting of the There's inside the car we shoot all the time, then the baby... Oh, there is blood on is isn't there? Oh, yes. A lot happens. You see, just in a car ride, there's an engagement, a birth. I don't tell personal sex stories about my stars. But I would say, on this movie, the cast was the most tawdry of any movie I've ever made, (laughs) amongst themselves. There was a lot of partying Not on the set. We love being bad, cause the show feels good. We love being bad, cause the show feels good. We love being
1: bad, the show feels good!
0: I think the tracing in the very beginning was Nobody, everybody was very not to be because they thought it would be like rude when she's just a sex star coming in. And then she and Brooke, when they started, it was very secret for a long time. That nobody knew because they didn't want to do that. And then everybody was very encouraging and they found out. See, that was complicated. You see, like that, that whole thing when she flies through the air is, is shot. It was horizontal rather than vertical. And a big trampoline and it was really complicated. Well, when she comes off it somewhere, it's on a motorcycle, but I had a fine guess it was trampolines because she would fly and then you had it sideways. It was all stunt people. They did a great job, I think. Oh that trampoline rental. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, that cast will never be reunited again. <laughs> From all, all walks of life. Stunt casting is meant in a negative way today. It was. I I didn't call it that, and I didn't ever do it again. I helped invent stunt casting, I think, with Tab Hunter. I mean, you know, having people that you would never think would be in a movie. But now, stunt casting, when they use it, is used as a negative review in a movie, usually. So it certainly was never called that when I did it, and I don't think of it in a bad way. I think of it as an insane dinner party where actually everyone accepted. But so we asked people that said no. Paul Anka said no. Who else? A lot of people say no. Or their agents said of- no. It was the first movie I didn't really have to produce it. I mean, Rachel produced Hairspray, but I was involved. I don't want to talk to my friends about money. I don't want to deal with Teamsters. I don't want to... And she did, and it was great. And uh, I liked the Teamsters. They did a good job. Uh, There's even Teamsters in Baltimore that just do the John Waters movies. You know, we have John Waters Teamsters that choose mine if there's a couple movies in town. Um, So, uh... It was the same people that we had worked with. Unfortunately, everybody was very shaken. A lot of them had died. I mean, Edith had died, Devine had died, David Lockery had died. So, um, And we I had beginning using outside people ever since Desperate Living with Liz Renee, and then I had Tab Hunter, so it was not a completely new concept. In Hairspray, we had Debbie Harry, Sonny Bono, lots of people, Ruth Brown. So it was not new then to use outside people. What was new was having a huge budget, a real Hollywood budget to do things with having choreographers and trailers and that kind of stuff. That was completely new. So um, it didn't seem to be that painful. It was for Chris Mason for some reason. She never wanted to do it afterwards. She didn't like the the pressure. She didn't like the... Um, and there is more pressure. The more money it is, the more pressure there is, the more people are seeing how many shots did you get. Uh, and we did go a little over budget on this, but I, I think probably within the contingency. But I'm not sure, because for once I didn't have to keep the budget. But... Um, I think Brian Grazer came to the set one day. Certainly they didn't hassle us when we were shooting it. And, um, and that may have been due to Rachel, because she dealt with him every day. Um, but none of the stars were complaining. Johnny Depp was happy. I think um, Johnny Depp is still friendly with some of the people he met there. He, was really bo- he really got used to Baltimore quickly. If any star I've ever had bonded to my group, Johnny Depp did it the fastest, certainly, from the very day he got there. And... Um, and I'm gracious. The reason that movie still plays all over television all over, is because of him, is because what a great star Johnny is and what a great actor he is. And um, I'm very thankful that we got to work together um, late in my career and early in his. But it seemed to be the right thing to do at the right time. And I do think that eventually... Cry Baby will get some of its reputation back from some of the real fans that originally didn't like it because they thought it was too Hollywood and, and thought it was. But it's a genre movie. All my movies are genre movies. Each one of them, I'm satirizing some kind of genre. I mean, Hairspray was a dance movie. This was a musical. Polyester was a melodrama. Serial um, Mom was a true crime movie. Cecil B. Mena was a political movie. Each one of them, I've satirized the genre. And um, I, I think this movie holds up. I think if, if, for what it is, it, it is a satire, and Cry Baby is even the name itself. Is, um, and it's got all the John Waters touches that you always see in all my movies. Um, but it has little kids in it. It has things that you're not used to seeing. But I've had little kids in all my movies. Janice, one of them, the editors I've worked with, says, why are they all called Little? You've had Little Inez, Little you have Little something and everything. I think it's because of the Little Milton and those singers, Rhythm and Blues singers when I was young. And now it's like Little Kim, Little Bow Wow. I love Little Bow Wow, what a great name. No, 50 Cent is the best rap name in the whole world. But <laughs> it's part of the body of work. That's all all my movies are. I think you take any one of them out, pick any one of them, and you can get what I'm about. It's just a different time in my life with different stars, but it's still the same, I mean, in a way.